Welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown. My guest today is Dana Reiser, and she's the executive director at Feast, which is a nonprofit dedicated to promoting wellness and enriching lives through the power of healthy food and human connection. And Dana, I can't think of a bigger time we've needed human connection. Thank you for being on this show as we speak through Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the one form of human connection we get these days, right? Yeah, Exactly. So I'm, I'm happy that you could join me because this is a big deal. I mean, you know, human connection is hard and I like what you talk about. In fact, as I, as I reflected on the work you're doing, you talk about hunger in very different ways than just physical hunger, but physical being one really important part. But could you talk to me about hunger and what do you mean by it? What are we hungry for as people? Yeah, it's such a good question. And I think that word um, hunger kind of brings up a lot of different things for folks. You know, mm-hmm. it on the one hand, when we think about physical hunger, um, you know, it, it, it has a few different connotations even now. You know, we, we know because of the pandemic, for example, people across the country are experiencing physical hunger on a level that's really we've not seen in, in decades before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hunger might conjure these feelings or thoughts of, you know, people in other countries that have really gone through just, you know, blight and, and decades of, um, of real scarcity. But on a personal level, you know, hunger can also bring up some interesting kind of feelings and concepts. Um, I think a lot of us have been taught that, you know, having hunger or cravings or an appetite for things can be, um, especially women are taught maybe to, to kind of tamp down those experiences, to not admit to your own hunger, mm. um, to your own longing or to your own wanting. Mm. Um, so it's a really loaded word in a lot of different ways. But Um, For me, you know, hunger also is a word that connotes a certain kind of opportunity because Mm. hunger means that there's an emptiness somewhere inside of us, right? That there's something that needs to be filled. There's a a void that's being, um, that's calling for our attention uh, to to give it what it needs. And um, I started to really explore kind of the range of what hunger means because I started my work in wellness um, with a very different population than who I work with today. Um, I got started working with um, pretty well-resourced yoga clients and and folks in New York City who I was private chefing for at the time. And then fast forward, you know, seven or eight years, I'm now serving families that live in food deserts and have very limited resources available to them. Mm. And working with a really broad population like that, what I started to see was it doesn't matter where you come from or where you grew up or what kind of resources you have available necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, As human beings, we actually have these common forms of hunger and they do extend beyond just our body's physical need for nourishment. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more I worked with these diverse populations, the more I started to really understand the way that hunger shows up in our lives, the, the essential nutrients that we all need to feel well and to feel nourished and to feel satisfied. And so those started to become what I now call the four forms of hunger. Um, yeah. And what are they? What are those four forms of hunger? I think you've obviously you've alluded to them in, in basically, you know, why hunger is so important. But you make an important point that it's not just about physical. There's other forms of hunger. Um, and so yeah. what are those four forms? 
Yeah. So the first, of course, is the physical. And and even within the physical, it's interesting, there are sort of a a spectrum of experiences we can connect to in the physical form. Um, One, of course, is yes, our bodies just need food in order to be, you know, alive Mm -hmm. and survive. Um, For those of us that are fortunate enough to get beyond that baseline need of survival, still within the physical, we might experience a level of hunger that is about really wanting physical well-being, you know, wanting optimal physical health and feeling, you know, physically our best, our most energetic, our most alive. And so all of that to me sort of lives in the physical realm. Um, Some of the the motivations of our physical hunger might be to, you know, to really pursue health and well-being on a physical level. Um, So that kind of all lives under that broad umbrella. But the other forms of hunger, I think, you know, we may not think about as often, um, but they're really easy to identify. Uh, The other is emotional hunger, Mm -hmm. right? As human beings, we are emotional feeling creatures. Um, And so we all have a need for emotional nourishment, Mm -hmm. right? We need uh, stress relief. We need love. We need experiences of happiness or contentment or or an alleviation of stress or tension, right? So all of that sort of lives in the emotional realm. And, you know, I think all of us in this pandemic has certainly started to highlight this Um, already between those two different forms of hunger, you might start to identify for yourself, oh, you know, there's there's sort of this interweaving or kind of miss, misconstruing at times, like Mm -hmm. during the pandemic, I think a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of emotional hunger, right? Mm -hmm. They've been feeling really stressed, really um, sort of emotionally overwhelmed. And one of the impacts of that is that it's actually affected our eating habits, right? Mm -hmm. Because we don't have maybe some of the outlets to soothe our emotional hunger that we've gone to in the past. We can't, you know, go to the gym or go to a yoga class necessarily. So there's this whole uh, sort of uprising of what they've been calling pandemic snacking, right? Mm. You know, people literally starting to use food to kind of fill that emotional gap. Mm. Um, and interestingly, like some of the foods that we've been reaching for, especially in the early months of the pandemics, like the snack foods and, and the sales that they were tracking, they were foods that were really nostalgic foods, like childhood cereals and cookies and things that... Um, again, really point to there's something emotional going on here, right? They were people were reaching for things that were potentially bringing in a feeling of uh, an emotional connection, a connection to your childhood or to a simpler time or to a feeling of, you know, just having like a little snack at the end of the day that was like bringing some joy, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so already in those two different layers, you know, you start to see the way that these things um, kind of interrelate. So beyond emotional, you've got um, social hunger. You know, we are just incredibly, incredibly reliant on our social relationships, I think, in ways that maybe we've we've started to even understand more deeply now because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But in our work with Feast and, and even beyond that, you know, I started to understand, I mean, there's just bodies and bodies of research that show how essential human connection is, mm-hmm. again, not just for our emotional well-being, but for our physical health outcomes as well. Um, there was a review of research that said that, for example, lack of social connections, a feeling of isolation or loneliness 
is actually on par with smoking and obesity when it comes to our overall life expectancy and, um, and morbidity rates. I mean, that's, that's powerful. You know, that is an essential nutrient. Um, that's not something we can just say it's nice to have friends. It's actually essential for our survival, um, for our, our physical well-being. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I mean, so many questions I've rolling through my head as you speak about these things. And I know you have more, I mean, that's, I love this conversation because there are so many aspects of this, but there's one piece I don't want to forget for just a moment. And while you were sharing that about, you know, the social connection and the isolation and how deeply impacted we are when we are isolated, that it has the severity of, like you said, smoking, or, I mean, in terms of your mortality rate, I was reading an article today about the leading reasons why people die, right? And and the leading cause, of course, is heart disease, but there's nothing even close to it, right? I mean, 650,000 people died in some of the latest research that we know. 650,000 people died of heart disease. The next closest is respiratory disease at 160,000. So this current this current pandemic actually could be exacerbating, you know, and revealing things where we've already had a lot of deaths in the past anyway. But now, what, what, but, but the thing I think we're not talking about is one that you just brought up, which is this social isolation and what it's doing to us on top of the physical aspects. And you're saying they're linked. The physical aspect is absolutely linked to this social isolation. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's just a, a really incredible body of research. Um, I was shocked to kind of go down this rabbit hole over the to see I mean, really how much has been studied about this topic and yet how little it's really spoken about or, or sort of described as a core, um, you know, ingredient for our overall, again, physical health, not just mental health, emotional health. Um, there was a study that I had seen as well. Um, this was I mean, a few years ago in the New York Times, they were publishing a review of research that said that, you know, people, for example, in this one study over a nine year period, it didn't matter what their diet was like. It didn't matter how much they exercised. It didn't matter you know, if they ate all of the kale in the world. Um, if they had weak social connections, they were more likely to die over that period than other people who had stronger social connections, but who maybe didn't have such good eating habits or exercised regularly. Um, and there are a lot of reasons they're suspecting this might be the case, but one of the things is um, it really is about inflammation in our bodies, about like the impact of chronic stress, that when we're lonely, when we don't feel supported, um, our bodies literally lose the, the ability to respond as, um, you know, healthfully to other forms of stressors. So it literally builds up inflammation in the body. And, and to your point about heart disease, um, you know, that's one of those illnesses that is, it's a, it's a, a disease of inflammation, right? Yes, so yes. The more, yes. the more we can alleviate that. And again, social, social support, social connection being a key piece of that. It, it makes us more resilient. It makes us, it makes our emotional and physical heart healthier. So a lot of our listeners at this point are saying, man, you've just created a compelling business case for why we should all be more social because it has a huge impact when we're isolated, not only on our, on our spiritual body, like you're saying, but the physical body, literally we get more inflammation. We get more chronic inflammation. Our bodies are actually weaker um, when we are isolated socially. That's right. 
And yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I consider myself, you know, on the spectrum of introvert to extrovert, I would say I'm, I'm a bit more introverted, but I also know, you know, social connection isn't about the number of friends or, you know, being, you know, someone that goes out to big parties. It's about having meaningful, close, intimate connections, trusted connections that you really feel you can rely on when things are going, um, you know, when there are challenges that arise, you have somebody close to you that you can speak to. Um, those are the kinds of depth of connections that really seem to matter in this context. So what are you telling people to do? What are you working when you when you talk to people who are very isolated right now, particularly during this this pandemic, as we've all experienced around the globe? What what can we do? What can we do? And what would you say to, you know, not only those who, well, just anyone in general, I mean, but, 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 uh, what do we say? I mean, kids going to school. I think about people who are, are you know, young people, older people, everybody. How do we, how do we yeah. create, reconnect? Well, I've been, I guess, encouraged in some ways. I think some of the byproducts of the pandemic have been that, you know, we've actually been forced into relationship with people close to us that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the past, maybe we weren't, we were sort of living our lives adjacent to, even in the same household, right? Um, people that work very long hours in their careers and are now being forced to be home with their children and and are there all day long. Um, You know, there's some impact of that, or even just with a partner, um, some impact of that, that, you know, on the one hand can create its own stress and strains and tensions as you kind of recalibrate, but it's also presenting an opportunity for people to really be with one another in new ways. Um, I just read an article again the other day, it was about you know owners of Fortune 500 companies who are now at home for dinner every night. You know They're no longer traveling every week. Um, and the impact of that, the surprising impact of that on the relationships that they have with the people around them. So some of the physical contact that COVID, you know, you know, safer at home, being together in these shared spaces, um, those of us that have a cohabitating partner, mm-hmm. I think there's just naturally sort of been some, some learning that's happened through that. Mm-hmm. I've also been really encouraged to see, you know, I've, it's not the same having a Zoom conversation necessarily, but mm-hmm. just seeing how creative people have been mm-hmm. seeking out those connection points. Um, you know, finding ways to celebrate life moments outside in a distanced way, drive by graduations, drive by baby showers, um, you know, all of these ways that people kind of intuitively knew, like, I can't live without being able to be with these people in my lives for too long. And so they've come up with their own sorts of ways of creating those connections. Um you know, a lot of the work we do at Feast, which I think would surprise people, it's on the surface, it's a nutrition, education, and lifestyle wellness program. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the, the foundation of it is it's a sharing circle, a support group format. Mm-hmm. So what we're teaching people how to do in a pretty um, subtle but deep way is actually how to be in communication with one another, um, not in the ways that we normally are, where, you know, in a conversation, for example, People are tending to, yes, you're listening. Of course, everyone's listening to each other, but you're also thinking about, oh, what am I going to say next? You know, mm-hmm. what, what am I going to bring to the conversation? 
And in the context of feast, we actually spend a ton of time training each other how to listen, how to really just listen um, without needing to have a response. Um, so that's a practice that you know we we are really teaching in this um, one setting. But something that I would ask viewers or listeners to think about. Um, Practicing those kind of subtle communication skills. How how am I listening? How am I being present with the people that are in my life right now? Um, because again, it's it's less about the breadth of the relationship, but about the depth that we can bring to it. Um, and yeah. listening is a really a really core piece of feeling, you know, both connected and heard and respected. Um, so that's something I would advise people to explore a bit. I really like that. You know, I mean, as an executive coach, I'm a keynote speaker. A lot of people will ask me, you know, how do you become a better speaker? And I always respond. And I don't think I don't mean this to be cliche, but I say, if you want to be a better speaker, be a better listener. And if you want to be a better executive coach, be a better listener. And I think if you want to have a better podcast, be a better listener. Mm. And so I do have some questions that I think about. But what I really try to do is just listen to you and what you're saying and how you're feeling it. And the messages you're trying to convey with that. When I think about listeners today, you know, we've I've learned how to multitask now. Unfortunately, you know, there's some Zoom environments where we don't have to engage fully here so I can be over here on another computer working somewhere else or I can start double tasking. The other thing that I find interesting is, you know, at first when this pandemic began, I think there was a lot of open time, a lot of space in our in our calendar because we didn't know what to do with it. And the cancellation of everything did create those those dinners and that slow down pace. But it's interesting how quickly we filled it with other things. <laughs> it's amazing how good we are at trying to fill the void, right? Right. And, and finding like those moments of distraction or like temporary comfort or just, you know, re-engaging in our, our habit of mind for busyness. Yes. Um, it's, it is really a fascinating thing. Um, I've watched it myself and I, you know, I, when people sort of ask like, like how to navigate that, mm -hmm. um, I have sort of counterintuitive guidance, which is, I really think the main thing instead of, you know, add in a meditation practice or, you know, try to, you know, bring in this new five-step plan into your life. It's actually about doing less, mm -hmm. um, you know, taking a, a real honest inventory of, you know, and again, this moment presents such a perfect time to do it. Like we had this pause and then we filled that pause up with more time and stuff. And so taking an inventory right now and really looking at, you know, where is my time going? And I would say if, if you did that, you would see a few distinct categories. You know, there's sort of the, the category of of busyness that is just like the life stuff we all have to do. We have to pay the bills. We have to, you know, do the laundry. It's stuff that's necessary, but it doesn't really, um, you know, you may feel neutral about it. You may not like to do it, but it's, mm -hmm. it's necessary, right? So there's that category that we may not be able to really have a lot of choice about. Um, then there's the other category that would be something like, you know, the things you really love that are unique to you and that are bringing real, passion or fulfillment. It may be your work. It may be a hobby. It may be, you know, a new thing that you did pick up during the pandemic, bread baking or, you know, whatever the thing may be. Um, but there are those things that, you know, to use Marie Kondo's language, those are the things that maybe spark joy or, or bring inspiration or happiness into your life. 
And then there's sort of this third category that is where, you know, a lot of us tend to fill back up, which is, you know, things like being really stuck on social media or being right now really absorbed in the news cycle and everything that's going on content wise. And I mean, and there's just numerous other things that probably are in that bucket too, which are things that create a distraction or a feeling of busyness or a feeling of, um, you know, even your own to-do list, like these kind of artificial to-dos that you might create, maybe because it kind of brings a feeling of having control over something, um, mm. but it's not really essential stuff, right? It's sort of like, I think about it as like junk food for the soul, mm. <laughs> it's like just the fluff that we're adding into life. And if you really look at how you're spending your days and your time, you may be able to, with that honest inventory, say, you know, there is something I can do less of. I can spend less time looking at a screen. Mm -hmm. I can spend less time on these kind of artificial to-dos that really don't matter that much or bring me, you know, much contentment really in my life. And in place of that, you'll have more space. And in that space, maybe really getting to prioritize, you know, being at the dinner table again, being, yeah. um, you know, in those relationships that you want or having a spiritual practice, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think before you do more or try to add in something additional, it's really about, yeah, like let's, let's whittle back down. Let's do a little less and really be intentional about what we bring back in. Um, I mean, I really have been thinking about Marie Kondo. I don't follow her, but um but it is sort of like a, a mental, emotional, spiritual sort of spark joy. Well, you know, do the do the the um, sort of inner cleaning and mm -hmm. get rid of what you don't need. You know, we don't need more. We need less, honestly. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I, I read an article. Uh, it's been about a year and a half ago. But at the time, they said that more books were published every single day now than was ever produced in an entire year back in the 1950s. Wow. That's incredible. Isn't it incredible? I mean, at yeah. our at our fingertips, as you and I speak today, there is more information available than we could ever consume in a, a million lifetimes. I mean, yeah. anything we could possibly conceive, we could go look for and find, and there's information on. So to your point, we have to choose. And I love that you're saying, are we just eating the junk food into our brain? And I mean the junk food of, of information. Are we just eating yeah. the junk food of social media? Are we eating the junk food of all these things that fill our lives and make us feel busy? Yeah. Or are we actually doing the things that are the most meaningful and helpful? And, and I'm not saying that we have to feel guilty for having ice cream every once in a while. I'm an ice cream no, fan. I'm just going to say it. Yes. You know, I kind of no, like my ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I like my ice cream. But you're right. What we consume ourselves with, what we fill ourselves with becomes who we are. Yeah, it becomes who we are. And I think what you've nailed here is so profoundly important. What could we do? I know you're saying, you know, get rid of some of those things that aren't serving us well. Make space for those things that do. And like you said, sometimes it's not about being busier. It's about actually finding ways to not be as busy. Yes. Just because we need to purposely do that and just be with people more frequently and less to-do lists. I get that. But what do you say to those who are saying, man, I'm just trying to figure this out. I mean, I'm very stressed right now. I'm lucky that I'm even listening to a podcast, you know, we're yeah. running. They're, they're exercising today, so they're listening to the podcast. But otherwise, their day is full. And I, because I feel like my days have just filled back up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
You know, there's a great quote from the teacher Byron Katie who says, um, you know, one of the best ways to start understanding life is to see that things are not happening to you, but for you. Um, and so I think about this time and the natural feelings that are coming up for everybody. I mean, it is overwhelming. It is stressful. People are legitimately at their max. You know, they are being asked to do numerous new roles, mm-hmm. wearing so many more hats, um, maybe dealing with uncertainties that they've never had to deal with or haven't dealt with in a very long time on a personal level. Um, so I think one thing is to a just acknowledge like that's real and it's and it's valid like those feelings of course that's what we're feeling right so there's nothing to fix in that um, except for just to say this is what it is right now like this is what's happening right so one one thing to do is just to say yeah this this is what this looks like and try to be okay in that. Um, not having a solution, I think actually for, for right now, being in the, the unknown of it. Mm. But then I think the other thing is sort of switching our perspective a little bit, again, that quote, the idea that, you know, what's going on right now is uncomfortable as it is. Um, it can either be this huge block that just keeps us sort of spinning our wheels and feeling stuck, mm. or we can see it as this teaching opportunity, this learning opportunity. Um, and it, it really is highlighting on so many different levels, I think, again, um, these opportunities to get to know what we're really hungry for, you know, what, what are we really needing in these moments? Um, so again, it's not comfortable, it's not comfortable to feel emotional overwhelm or to feel socially disconnected, um, to feel, you know, like your, your life purpose is off track right now, like those are not fun feelings. But, but they're pretty it, common, aren't they? I apologize. Yes. I know you were going to say it, but, but it's pretty common. So for those of us who are feeling that, yes. you're saying just sit in it. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up because you're feeling it. Totally. Right? Totally. And ask those parts of yourself, like, what is missing? Mm-hmm. What can I, what do I need to know? Mm-hmm. What do I need to, to bring in to try to address those feelings? Mm-hmm. Um you know, they may not be actionable right now, but you could come out of this, you know, six months from now knowing, gosh, you know, I always thought my my life was about my work and my work was my purpose. And I'm realizing now that I've, you know, not had my work, there are all these other things that bring a feeling of purpose to my life. And I'm going to focus on them in this interesting way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's being in the process of, of really um, asking these layers, those questions, what do I need? What do I need to feel physically well? What do I need to feel emotionally well? What is bringing me a feeling of social connection? Um, what does my heart and my soul need to feel full? Um, and and really just making you know the time that we do have a time of learning from these different layers um, so that we can, as things, the pressure valve alleviates a little bit, you'll come out of it with some information and maybe some new direction. Um, I mean, there's just nothing like a crisis to make you sort of reset your priorities and realize, you know, on some levels, like what really matters. I thought I, I thought my happiness was, you know, living in this big city and getting to go out to dinner with friends. And I miss that, but I've realized there's so much more in my life that is actually so much more essential to my real happiness that if I, I could go move to a cabin in the woods and I would know now what I needed to bring with me to really feel 
you know, the level of content that I, that I want to feel. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm smiling. I'm smiling so big <laughs> because what you just said and those questions you just asked, I think are really helpful for all of us. And your reflection of what you thought was important before the pandemic and what you think today of what's important in your life and that reassessment and how you were feeling, you know, that cabin in the woods, that's, that's my lifestyle. I mean, that's, that's my, that's my lifestyle right there. I'm just saying, so don't be afraid for all those listeners out there, you know, that are trying to pivot or trying to figure out a new way that there are ways to do that for me, as I reflect on what you're asking and I think about, you know, what is your bigger purpose? Where do you find meaning in your life? I find great joy personally in being of service to other people and not just in service to myself. So when I find joy in that, then I can help those people. And I, I think that there's, there's, there's great satisfaction too in letting people know that we, as we reprioritize, knowing that we're not just about ourselves, but that we're actually trying to do good for the world in whatever way we can do that is very helpful. So that's why we have a farm because I want my mm -hmm. kids to be responsible for something other than themselves. Does that, that make sense? Oh, and entirely. That's why we did it. We want them to be responsible for something other than themselves. And they're helping with birth and they're helping with, you know, sheep as they're born and getting them onto their moms and being able to feed on their mom. And we harvest honey and we, we've harvested vegetables and fruit and and we gather chicken eggs and and we do these things because my kids have to know that they're responsible for something other than themselves you are living my dream life uh-oh uh-oh <laughs> well you'll have to come visit the farm at some point we yeah, we, we do some farm camps from from time to time i'm just going to let you know we do some farm camps we've had some people come my kids actually teach at the farm camp what we do at the farm and it's small. I mean, we, we have a tiny little place. It's a hobby farm. It's tiny, but it, but it, but it's, it's enough to teach my kids. So we don't make any money from the farm. We lose money making on the farm, but, <laughs> but, but the farm does what it needs to do, which is teach those principles for my kids for that foundation for exactly what you're saying. I'm yeah. so grateful that you would bring those up. And I hope people can hear in your voice the way I'm enjoying this conversation, just your your joy of this learning journey. What would you want people to remember from this conversation today, Dana? Yeah. I would say the number one message I try to leave with people is that your hunger is valid, mm -hmm. right? That again, I think we've been taught either to shut off the longing and the cravings that we have, or, you know, we're afraid to actually like listen and to lean into these different voices, or there's something, you know, shameful about, about feeling this way. Um, but all of our hunger, whether it's physical hunger and craving um, or emotional or social or spiritual, um, it's valid. And it's a voice that is really trying to teach you something. It is trying to point you in a direction about what you need. And if we can just listen to it, right? If we can like be curious about our hunger, be curious about that emptiness, be curious about that wanting, um, it can really lead you down the path of creating an experience that is more nourishing, that is more fulfilling. Um, so again, you know, hunger, it may not be comfortable in the moment, that feeling of like lacking or wanting, but as soon as we start to draw our attention towards it, um, it can lead us to a sense of fulfillment. Um, it's, it's the promise of it. So 
So again, yeah, going back, listen, you know, listen, make time to listen. Um, that would be what I would say. Dana Reiser, Executive Director at Feast. I appreciate that you would join me today. Where can people find more information if they want to get more of your message? Sure. Um, so there's a couple of places I'll point you to. One, I do have a website. It's just my name, danareiser.com. Mm -hmm. um, there I have a newsletter you can sign up for. I just send it out once a month and it covers each month one of the forms of hunger. Mm -hmm. So um, you'll be able to get kind of reflection activities and meditations and um, actual recipes you could cook in your kitchen, depending on what month we're looking at. Um, so sign up if you're interested in that. It's, you know, really nice kind of just host of materials and resources you can use to create more fulfillment. Um, and then I'd also point people to learn about Feast. It's a really use, uh, amazing and, and unique program. Um, so our website for that is feastforall.org. Um, so learn about our mission. That would be great. Thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I am going to, as soon as we can travel again, I would love to visit your farm. It sounds really ideal. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. We'd love to have you. I'm just grateful that you would share your, um, just not only your experience, but your wisdom today with, with listeners. So thank you for that. Thanks for the opportunity. It's really a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much. To all our listeners out there, I wish you a great week. Please be safe and be wise. Have a great week. <laughs>